Welcome to the Poultry Health Today podcast, where we talk all health, all the time. Hear engaging interviews with today's leading industry experts. Hosted by Poultry Health Today editors, podcast episodes highlight the latest ideas, insights, and advice to improve poultry health, welfare, performance, and food safety. Hi, I'm Caroline Stocks with Poultry Health Today, and with me is Tom Tabler, who's a poultry extension specialist at Mississippi State University. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. You betcha, I appreciate the invite. Oh, it's, we're very glad to have you. Now, Coriza is what we're going to be talking about today. It's perhaps something that not a lot of people have heard about because it's something that hasn't been seen in the US for a while. What is it? Not a lot of people, especially on the commercial side of the broiler industry, have heard about it. Backyard folks do see it from time to time, and I see it with backyard chickens from time to time, but I really don't see it that much in commercial birds. And it's not, right now, it's not really an issue in Mississippi where I'm at. There is a good bit of problem with it, especially in the Delmarva region right now, in Pennsylvania right now, and it is in commercial broilers. The, the laying egg people, they see it fairly regularly, and they vaccinate for it. There is a vaccine that you can give it. Now there's three different strains of it, so you've got to know, you know which strain of the bacteria you're actually working with if you want the vaccine to work. So that may require some help from a diagnostic lab somewhere to actually isolate just exactly what version of it that you're fighting. But yeah, there is a vaccine for it. You can vaccinate for it. A lot of the layer people do vaccinate their hands, vaccinate their pullets. You really don't see it that much in commercial broilers, but there is pretty much of a, a small scale outbreak in the Pennsylvania Delmarva region right now. It's, in terms of what it is, it's, it's basically just a really bad cold in chickens. You know, it's not on the level of mortality like you're gonna see if you had a case of, let's say, laryngotracheitis or avian influenza or something like that. But it can kill lots of chickens and it can do it reasonably fast. But in terms of what it is and what symptoms you see, what signs to look for, it's just like a really bad cold or a bad case of the flu in chickens. You're going to see the sinuses swell up. They're going to have full sinuses. They're going to have puffy eyes. They're going to have water. Those chickens are going to have a, an exudate from their nose. So it's respiratory. It's like respiratory and anything else. It's like respiratory when hogs get sick, cows get sick, people get sick. Their sinuses are going to swell up. Their eyes are going to water. Their nose is going to run. Same situation with chickens. It's a respiratory infection. It's, it's different from, you know, years and years ago, everybody called a really bad cold in chickens, coryza. But infectious coryza is different from that in that it is related to one of these three strains of the bacteria that actually causes the disease. Now, it is a bacteria, so you can treat it, and it does respond to medication. Part of the problem right now is there are all of these companies that at least to some degree have some of their production in an NAE program. So they're running no antibiotics ever chicken. So a lot of these folks, based on how that NAE contract is written, may or may not be allowed to treat those chickens. So that is the drawback whenever you begin to see an outbreak on something like this. If you cannot treat or you cannot treat until the mortality reaches a certain level or something like that, depending on how your NAE contract is written, yeah, you can begin to see a lot of mortality. But it is treatable and it does respond to disease because it is a bacteria and not a virus. Just jumping on there, you talked about no antibiotic ever systems. Do you think that that's linked to the fact that we're seeing more cases of coryza? 
I don't know that it's linked to the fact that we see more cases or not. I think it may be, especially in the Delmarva and Pennsylvania areas right now, rollers in those areas are lots of times grown in close relations to birds that are going to be laying, laying eggs already, laying hen population, or pullets being developed to go into the laying hen population. And those guys do vaccinate. Now again, those birds have to be individually vaccinated. A, a vaccine crew shows up, they go in, they catch every bird, they vaccinate it. If they miss birds or the vaccine doesn't go just exactly where they want it to go and one bird doesn't get as much or any vaccine at all, depending on how well your crew does in vaccinating, maybe those birds catch coryza because you vaccinated everything else in the house, but you didn't vaccinate this one percentage. So if they catch it and you're within you know, a half a mile, a quarter of a mile of a broiler farm just down the road somewhere, they may be able to catch it. I tend to think it's, it's maybe more of an issue in terms of how close you are to birds that are being vaccinated or that may have a challenge from coryza because it's a little bit unusual to see it in really young birds. And broilers are always gonna be young birds. They're never gonna get old. Something that's common between whether it's a, a laying operation or a broiler operation is that it is oftentimes triggered by some type of stress setup on those chickens. For instance, in a, in a pullet house, when those chickens get ready to be moved from that pullet house to the laying hen house, somebody's got to go in, catch those chickens, move them out of this house, move them on to a laying farm somewhere. That's a lot of stress for those chickens. That's a good opportunity for coryza to set up just because those birds are under stress. Same way with broilers, if they're under any type of stress situation, then again, the NAE process has changed a lot of the way broiler chickens are grown. And now those management practices that we might've been able to get away with before NAE, we cannot get away with with NAE now. So what kind of management practices are having to improve? Well, in terms of how well you manage your litter quality, do you keep the litter dry? Do you have a lot of wet litter? You know, wet litter is gonna affect the paw quality of those chickens. Wet litter is gonna mean there's more ammonia in the house that you have to deal with. Ammonia is a stress on those chickens. How well you manage your temperature profile in that house. You don't wanna get them too hot. You don't wanna get them too cold. How well you manage the ventilation level in that house to make sure that the ammonia concentration does not build up, that the dust level does not build up. It just means you've got to do a, a better job of staying on top of everything. Now, everybody that grows chickens has a program that they give to their growers. These programs are probably gonna vary a little bit from company to company. So if that grower is really, really good at doing that, that grower a lot of times is more successful than someone that doesn't do quite as good a job of managing their ventilation, of managing their litter quality, of keeping those chickens healthy. Because again, stress in anything, whether it's us, whether it's cattle, hogs, chickens, stress is a bad thing. And once you get stressed, unless your immune system is really, really good, you're at risk of catching something from somewhere. And again, coryza is one of those diseases that will take advantage of a compromised immune system. If something has happened and that chicken has really not got a good, strong immune system, it's gonna be easier for that bird to get sick. Well, so how much of a concern is it um, about coming from backyard flocks? Depending on how close those backyard flocks are, you know, they are always something that the commercial industry worries about. 
So backyard chickens are, are always a concern. Every company that's got growers and people that live around them, their neighbors that have backyard chickens, that's a risk. And, and that's a risk you have to put up with. But I think you can deal with that and that the backyard folks, if, if they you know, manage their biosecurity and you manage your biosecurity, you can, you can live with the two intermingled with each other. Again, there's a risk there, but I don't know that the risk from a backyard flock may not be any better or worse than risk coming from somewhere else. So you mentioned that you'd visited a flock in the northeast that had uh, suffered with coryza. What kind of um, results were they seeing? Had they seen increases in mortality or was it morbidity? They, they saw both. Uh, and you will see, if you've got a flock that has coryza, you will see most of the chickens, I think, showing some type of symptoms, especially the, the swollen sinuses, the watery eyes, the runny nose, stuff like that you're going to see. A lot of times though, unless there's a secondary stressor involved, and a lot of times that secondary stressor may be, let's say, mycoplasm in a laying hen flock, or maybe E. coli in a broiler flock. Unless something else comes into play after those chickens come down with coryza, the mortality may not be all that high. But I know of instances where the mortality has been as much as 20, 25% of a house of broilers just because secondary infections come into play. So if all you had to deal with was just the coryza itself, yeah, your chickens would get sick and most of them would probably get sick and show symptoms, but they could probably work their way through that cold because something else comes into play, the risk becomes greater. The, the coryza itself, you know, may be the initial problem that you're dealing with, but it may develop into something much worse just because you've got secondary factors that take advantage of those chickens already being under stress from having coryza. And what should producers do if they think coryza is a threat in their, in their region? Well, if, if they suspect something's wrong, and again, if it's coryza and it's, you know, typical infectious coryza that shows these symptoms, the sooner you can get a hold of your service tech and let that person know that something doesn't look right. So if your service tech was there yesterday and you go in today and hear a lot of noise in that flock, hear a lot of cough and sneezing, see puffy heads, see watery eyes, call that service tech back and ask them to come back. It won't be their typical day, but if you call them and tell them you think you've got something wrong, they will come back and check just to make sure. Thanks for listening to the Poultry Health Today podcast. To get the latest news and interviews delivered to your inbox twice a week, subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting poultryhealthtoday.com join.